American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. While Americans of the early republic celebrated their new political equality, at least for white men, there still remained inequality in terms of economic status. That was complicated now by a turn away from older markers of position, like owning land, towards consumer goods, especially in the 1820s, 1830s, 1840s, as Americans moved towards that wage work. Being paid in cash meant that you also spent in cash. And in America, cash was king. And cash transformed every aspect of life as people moved away from their homes as places of work towards this new public life of work and also a public life of shopping, a public life of buying, a public life that was increasingly defined by what you could buy. No place in America is better to understand this than New York City. It was a city of trade and that meant a city of sailors, a city of clerks, and all the people who were there to support the trade. So this was a place where this new meaning of the wage relation really came to the fore. A place where cash could be spent and cash could be earned. Thinking about cash in New York City reveals uh, this big transformation. On the one hand, you have new institutions of retail, like Macy's, that we're going to be talking about. On the other hand, it reveals the limits of what can and can't be bought. Can you buy textiles? Yes. Can you buy cloth? Yes. But can you buy people? Can you buy women's bodies? That is, prostitution. If the largest uh, industry in New York City was trade, the second largest was prostitution. So thinking about this as a way to reveal both the limits of the cash economy, and this new consumer society is what we're thinking about today in thinking about New York City and the cash economy. New York was at the center of a vast trade network, both from the new railroads from the West, as well as all the goods coming up from the South, and of course, all that money being invested from Europe. And at the center of this nexus was a new class of wage workers known as clerks. Clerks who, with their scribbling pens, oversaw all the vast movement of those goods through New York's ports. The most important thing to realize about cash, and it's hard for us today to think about it this way, is that it is anonymous. That cash is anonymous, like the city itself. And if an older world of consumption, an older world of production, was always based in the home, was always based around people that you knew, the city was a place of strangers. And this consumer economy was also a place of strangers and strangeness. Cash was anonymous, as were these new markets. This enabled people to behave in ways that, under the watchful eye of their community, perhaps they would not ordinarily do. Clerks lived in the city, but they were often not from the city. They were the sons of farmers who had moved to the city, especially New York, to make their fortune. They lived alone, 
in boarding houses, without their families, without their friends. They were fashioning themselves a new life, unmoored from that which had come before. And in that city, they desired pleasure as well as work. The rise of this vast class of clerks, what Horace Mann, uh, the well-known educational reformer, called, quote, thousands and thousands of those who get their living in one way or another by penmanship. This class of clerks was troubling to many. In a farmer's journal called The Cultivator, they were admonished to, quote, stick to the farm, young men. You are tempted to exchange the hard work of the farm to become a clerk in a city shop, to put off your heavy boots and frock, and be a gentleman behind the counter. And indeed they were. The idea of a soft life of the city where you didn't get dirty was in itself confusing about its class status. Though they were paid you know, enough to live okay in boarding houses, they certainly weren't wealthy. They were not gentlemen. But by their, their dress and by their clean life, they were in many ways like gentlemen. Although, of course, gentlemen in this period is defined not by how polite one is, but in fact by the fact you do not have to work at all. And so there's this contradiction then, dressing like a gentleman, as many of these clerks did, but in fact not being gentlemen in terms of their wealth and position. Think about what control meant in this system. Clerks were not independent workers. They were not independent producers. They had to listen to their boss. They had to, quote, fetch and carry like a spaniel. They had to obey. But unlike their fathers, they could work inside when it rained. They had to listen to the boss not all of the time, but only when they were at work. And so there was this split in the lives of clerks. On the one hand, they were totally dependent when they were at work and totally independent when they were not at work. This is something that we think of as normal today, but was in fact not normal at the beginning of the 19th century. This independence outside of work, where you can really be yourself. You can really be whatever you want to be. You can spend your wages as you want to spend them. This is the liberation of the new cash economy. Older men were very critical of what they saw as the feminization of younger men, men who were soft and just worked behind counters. Hunt's Merchant Magazine, quote, I almost lose my temper when I see a fellow standing six feet in his stockings, dressed to kill, measuring out a yard of ribbon. These men would become dandified in their fashion, becoming more like gentlemen than the simple wage workers that they actually were. Clerks, after all, produced nothing. They were seen as loafers, idle loafers. And despite working hard on their penmanship, they could not be seen as the same as farmers or blacksmiths or any of the other kinds of producers who made something. They just wrote letters. They just wrote bills of lading and orders and records. After all, there weren't any typewriters until the 1870s. And yet, this kind of writing is essential to keeping track of all that trade, keeping track of all the new production within in the early forms of industrial capitalism. And so while they were well-ordered in the office, scribbling away, writing everything down, outside of the office was a different story. 
outside of the office, they did not have to listen to their boss. And importantly, they didn't have to listen to their father. Outside of the office, they can engage what was called at the time, the sporting life. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Thank you.